You ever feel that uh, at a certain point in life, you have to stop and ask yourself, who are my real friends? Uh, and sometimes, it's, uh, some people don't have to ask that question, because it's not something that they're wondering, it's something that they know. You only wonder something you're not sure of. Right? But what do you know? Some people know mamish who their friends are. Some people have to stop every, every so often in life certain moments where they just say like, hmm, okay. So who, 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 are my f- who are my friends and what are my friends? And tonight we have a beautiful opportunity. We have two <coughs> short pieces. And one of the pieces is to understand how in Rosh Hashanah something like that takes place of a friend checkup. A beautiful friend checkup. The most beautiful friend checkup. And the other piece we're going to be learning tonight, Bezrat Hashem, please God, something that I'm sure everybody in this room could, could, could relate to. I know my wife and I, when we one time when we, when, we, when we went away to some resort before we gave, before we, before my wife gave birth to our, to our first Tzitzit, we went away to one of these beautiful places for the night. And we were so happy and excited, and there were tons of people there <coughs> who came also to this spa for the night, and everyone was depressed, reading self-help books. Everyone. Everyone in there. Every area, Bina, you remember? Every area, every area in this place, we were just like these little kids who somehow scored this night in, in this place, right? And everyone there, all these businessmen and, and, and Doctors and lawyers and everything were just coming to, to the meals, thinking that if, they, if they're like this and they eat like this and dig deep in about, the, the, about the food, then they, they won't be so, so sad. Or while they're having massages to do all the things that they're supposed to be doing in order to, to break away from whatever pain they're going through. No one was there to actually just be there. Everyone was there curing themselves somewhat. somehow. That's what, it's, what, what, what they thought. So, listen to this, Chavim. This is like... I was debating whether to just tell you this story out like this, just to tell you a story, but I realized the power of learning text isn't just learning Talmudic text, isn't just learning Hasidic text. Somehow, when you learn a story, when you read a story, something goes in, deep, deep inside. And Rabbi Nachman taught us, the world tells each other stories to go to sleep. We tell stories to wake up. This is tonight's story. <coughs> tonight's story, tonight's Rosh Hashanah story, is a story Reb Shalom would, would, would say often. Unbelievable story about how that whole notion of thinking that new means something which I don't have yet is a pagan concept. New does not necessarily mean something which I don't have. Feeling new, being new, receiving new, based on this story, really means something else. I believe by Munash that there's never a shortage in light. Light's coming down. Light's coming down all day, especially, especially, mainly, most importantly, here in Eretz Yisrael. Light is coming down all the time. No shortage of light. What's the shortage of? Two things. Vessels, right? 
two things, it's vessels and it's light within the vessels. That's already for a different shear. But tonight, I'm going to start off learning a story. This story, I, I learned it uh, the first time when I first started learning Reb Shlomo. It's just one page. We're going to go through this. And um, it's a Rosh Hashanah story. It's an everyday story, but it's, uh, it, covers, it covers it all. Covers. Again, welcome to all the, the newbies. And we ask of you just not to read ahead. Let's learn this together. There's a lot more here. People need in the back. So listen, this is like um. What I just want to say, there should be enough cover. But what, what I just want to say is like this: is that this is a story that um, it puts everything into proportion in terms of when you look at your life, you look at what you have, you look at what you don't have, you think about what you don't have, think about what you have. We we have everything. We have physically, we have we have everything. But with Hashem, we have, and everyone should be healed physically as well. And Hashem should bring down the chef of medicine, such a godly revelation, more and more into the world to, to heal and cure. Did it reach the back? Sorry. That I, uh, okay. So, Rav Shlomo says like this, Chave, please... Give me, uh, me, give the Torah your utmost attention. And a, and, a, and, a, and a wide open heart for this one. Beheleg Porosov, Porosov is not a name you'll be tested on, it's just the name of a Hasidic Rebbe. It's another name to put into that vocabulary of never-ending names, which sound like, uh, they don't even sound Yiddish anymore, they sound like a different language, whatever it is. Beheleg Porosov, the holy Rebbe of the town of Porosov, had a Chassid, I'm not sure Reb Shlomo says he was the greatest chassid he had, but he was a chassid shiyid, a tailor. One way or another, he made, it ju- he made just enough bread and herring. And one way or another, something happened. Then a nobleman came to his shop, took a liking to him, and suddenly he became the tailor of the nobleman. Ah, so when you're the tailor of the nobleman, you don't need a rabbi. We don't need bread and herring anymore. And he became rich and kept away from Yidin. And he had his nose in the air. And he was a very outstanding tailor. This is a, by the way, if we paused here, 5,000 Hasidic tales can, can continue from this first paragraph. Okay? One time, the nobleman came back with material from, from Paris. And he says to his father, Shalom Aleichem, and he says to, his fa- to, to, he says to this tailor, I want you to know, this is absolutely the best material I ever bought. I want you to make me a suit like you never made before. The tailor, the chayat, thinks, I'm the best tailor in the world. And thank God, once I was a chassidi shigid, and all I had was bread and herring. Now... Hashem, I have bagels and I have locks. <laughs> he made this suit and really, it was a beautiful suit. He brings it to the nobleman. The nobleman puts it on and he can't get it off fast enough. 
And he yells at him and says, this is the most terrible suit I ever wore. And he starts cursing him. The nobleman takes out his pistol and says, listen brother, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. And he takes the suit and he throws it out of the window. The tailor runs for his life, picks up the suit, and runs away. Ah, it's time to go to the Rebbe again. Like, <laughs> when do we ever turn to Hashem? <coughs> Anyone ever feel the dire need when most of the day was spent like this to really pour his heart out to Hashem at the end of the day? Yeah. Nate? <laughs> you have been after every day you are and will always be the exception all questions in this year I have nothing to do with you I ex- keep on going keep on going exactly we all do that I'll talk too much I know isn't that clear to everybody sure I can talk to people you better if you talk to yourself Nate can make the introduction. Nate makes the introduction. <laughs> it's time to go to the Rebbe again. He comes to the Heilige Partislover. He tells him the whole story and he says, Rebbe, believe me, it's a beautiful suit. What did I do wrong? The Heilige Partislover was the son of the Yida Kaddish. So he says, I'll tell you what. Open the suit again, meaning take out everything you did, and then put it together the same way. Just put it together again, and tomorrow night bring it to him, and may God be with you. He was mamish up all night, crying over every stitch. Crying over every stitch. He brings it in the next night to the nobleman, and he says, please give me just one more chance. The nobleman puts it on, and he says, this is absolutely the masterpiece of the world. I never had such a suit in my life. You overdid yourself. Sorry about the typo. You overdid yourself. So this tailor comes back to the Rebbe and he says, Rebbe, what's going on here? So the Rebbe says, Chavre, open your heart. This is amazing. The Rebbe says, I want you to know, arrogance smells so bad. And even the low person, like the nobleman, as low as he is, could smell it. The smell was so bad, even he couldn't stand it. But this time, when you put the suit together, you cried over every stitch. And all your arrogance was gone. And you realized, Givat, Ribbonu Shalom, Master of the world, have compassion on me. I have a wife and children. Please, God, let this suit be beautiful. And anything you do with great humility, with softness, with prayers, is so beautiful, so so good. So Shlomo says, you know, friends, once a year on Rosh Hashanah, the Ribbona Shalom is telling us to take everything apart and put it together again. We have everything. But a lot of what we have stinks. It's, it mamish smells. You know, I, I don't dare say anything about anybody else. I don't myself. I'm not saying this to sound holy. I don't care what you think. And we, we, I have it all. We have it all. 
Oh, everything. Bringing newness into the world, Rosh Hashanah, you could, you could buy it. It's a beautiful thing to buy another Sefer. It's, it's awesome. It's great to take upon yourself something. But do you know what the highest thing in the world is? The highest thing in the world? Is not to ask, what more could you give me? Is Ribbonosh Elam, show me what I already have. There's nothing more new than that in the world. There is nothing more fresh than that in the world. There is nothing more humble than that in the world. That smells like Gan Eden. That's Gan Eden. Gaiva, like Nate said, sh- arrogance reeks. It reeks so much, not just that when you walk by a tzaddik, and a tzaddik can x-ray your neshama, and you can tell exactly where you're at. Forget about the tzaddikim. <laughs> According to this story, even the, the pshutim, the most simple simpleton in the world, he might not have a lot of spiritual ma'alot, spiritual uh, lofty heights, but one thing stinks everywhere, and that's arrogance. Ma nomar lefanecha yoshev marom, uma nesaper lefanecha shochen shchakim. What we say in Slichos, what could we tell you? Aloha kol galui ve'edua lefanecha. Everything is known before you. Everything is known before you. Reb Shlomo was saying to us, based on this story, go into your closet, the closet of your neshama, the closet of your marriage, the closet of your relationship with your children, the closet of the relationship which you already have with the Rebbe Hashem Acknowledge that you have it, rip it apart to shreds, and now cry over every stitch. <coughs> even if you think it's already beautiful. So, I'm, for me, this ex is, I just share with you personally, like, I'm, one of the hardest things of moving into this really, Gevald Bracha of an apartment, which we're thrilled to be here in the neighborhood, but one of the hardest things was that we have uh, yeah, you can even see outside, we have tons and tons of, of, of boxes of svarim that we had to put in storage. There's push, there's no... I promise being I wouldn't make every, the whole wall one, one, one library. But, like, I, we, we had to put away so much. But I want you to know that that was the deepest Torah in the world for me. It was such a learning. It was such a lesson. I do love all these svarim. Do you think I've been through one of them? Through... We need to have a, a bite full of sperm. But I realize that Hashem is saying right now, how much are you crying even over the, this is like one twentieth of what we have. Even over the one twentieth, how much, are you crying over every stitch? And it was, I've re-fallen in love with sperm that I have since my bar mitzvah. <coughs> Literally. Those little things, the little things, those things that, that, that's what it boils down to. And this exercise in life is, is a must, must, must before Rosh Hashanah. The newness, it's like we always think God's going to breathe a new, fresh, a new breath into our nostrils. Right? We don't celebrate Rosh Hashanah on the 25th of Elul, which was the creation of the world two days ago in Shabbos. 
we celebrate it on Rosh Hashanah, which is the birthday of man. Because what happened on the birthday of man? That's the day that God, Vayipach Be'apav Nishmas Chaim. God breathed, He breathed life into beings. We always think that means something which I don't have yet. Well, you know what you don't have yet? You know what you don't have yet? Some of us, we don't yet have the schut for someone to explain to us to cry over every stitch. Because then, you won't want to search or look for anything else than what you have. I saw the most freakiest, freakiest YouTube clip this afternoon. Wackiest. Whack, Sheba Whack. Okay? Uh, nut. Nutty. What is it? There's a whole vi a, a, a news clip on a plastic surgeon who created the perfect woman and married her. What do you Some woman came in for one tune-up, or I don't know what you want to call it, huh? <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. Needed a major overhaul. And he, and he looked at her, and he, she says it was love at first sight. Like if, if it was love at first sight, why would there be another 27 surgeries afterwards? <laughs> Mamish. And I couldn't believe that this is actually a news item. It, um, it's just, it's so, you know, we laugh at, like, we think Sodom and Gomorrah was, like, this far-fetched thing that happened, happened so long ago, we, we can't connect it at all. Well, it's around today. I mean, I'm sure she was crying over every stitch. <laughs> I'm sure she is crying over every stitch, right? Crying over every stitch of what you have. You know what Rebbe's do to you? Rebbe's don't just give you something you never had before. Rebbe's take your neshama and they go like this and they polish off all the dust that's covering that which is already there. Rebbe Shlomo was asked all the time, why do you hang out with these low-life hippies, these dirty hippies? And you would always say, if you saw diamonds covered in the mud, would you just walk by it? So all of us, a little bit, we need a little bit of like, just over, you know, we, we don't have Rebbe's like we have anymore. We speak about this all the time. So, you know, which brings us to the next, the next piece we're going to learn now is, how, how, how do we do it for each other? How, on a level of friendship, entering Rosh Hashanah, can we do what we just described right now, revealing to each other what we have, how do we do it for each other? So I'm going to remind you that Rabbi Nachman says, Rosh Hashanah, what do you do? You dance, you cry, you sing, you do it all. Every emotion. Everything. I was at a wedding... Um, just two weeks ago, one of our students, one of our dear, dear friends, Netzach, Netzach Miller, and uh, Mom is shining like you, it's like he's like, and his, I mean, it's just, this is him on a normal Wednesday, but especially at, a, at his wedding, looking at him is like is like looking at the sun. You can't you couldn't you can't look at him. You can't you can't look at him. He's just he's shining from head to toe. He's shining. He's keeping these these, these rare pure neshamas that just they, they keep 
you should look what you. I always say, I wish you guys could look at what you look like, look, look like right now. It's, it's the same thing. But he, at his wedding, was, took it to the next level. You know, at his wedding, it was like the happiest moment. High school sweethearts, young kids. What could be all the heartbreak and pain that they had to go through in order to get married, right? First of all, who knows? What do we know? But a person could feel in two weeks on the level of heartbreak and pain, no matter what age they are, could be what a person feels in 50 years then. Hopefully we all know <coughs> it now. But you see, every single emotion was brought to that chuppah. Every emotion. Every pain, every heartache, every smile, every hug, every tear, everything in the world, which is what we do, Rosh Hashanah. Now, I want to again ask the question we just did right now. On the level of friendships, how do we take each other's neshamas and show each other, you just have to restitch it all again. But you have it. You have everything you're looking for. You have the ability for all the hitchachut. You do not have to run away to any spa or buy any book. None of it. Kibiyadcha, it's right here in your in your hands. And this is both sides. Didn't get to you yet, didn't? Not yet. Okay. And I know, like you know, I, I opened the shir talking about what we have had the schus of this last year. I, I feel like saying hello. The last day of, of the year, just for what we have, and I, I feel that our learning. We know how it's us manish here. We know already. If we learn to give over to give over good voids at the Shabbos table, we're making a mockery out of the Torah. We're making a mockery out of the Torah. If we are not taking these Torahs into into everyone's heart that we meet, we're doing an injustice to him. So I felt like ending the year Dafka with this piece. Friends, what's going on during Rosh Hashanah? We're living in a world where people laugh at each other. But do you realize that people don't cry with each other anymore? Now, he says the word anymore. Where is, what world is he coming from? He's coming from the most broken post-World War II. A world which... I know all of you are beneath the age of 51, so none of us were there, right? None of us know what, what it was like. Where it's coming from a world of such utter brokenness, such pain, where if people would laugh with each other, it'd be the biggest chidush in the world. People don't cry with each other anymore. Something in the last generation, a generation I would say probably 30 years, maybe 40, 
more or less, <laughs> where people don't cry with each other anymore. <clears throat> well, A, because it's not cool. Dudes, for sure, don't cry with each other, right? And, and you know, I don't know about women crying with each other. I, I know they cry alone. I don't know if they cry with each other, but I, whatever it is, the people don't really cry like they used to. Okay, now look at this. In order to laugh with somebody, you don't have to be so close to them. I can tell anyone a joke. But to cry, you have to be very, very close. Okay, so, Chavra, remember I asked you in the beginning of this year, who are your friends in life? I want you all right now to take a second and try to dig really deep. Which friends in your life do you have? I'm not talking about therapists <laughs> or people who think they're your friends. I told you once about my... People who think that they're your friends but really they're just good therapists that they're hanging out with you like, but they're just friends. Whatever. I was once on a, on a plane about to... I used to fly. It was very weird. For like a few years I saw Rav Steinsaltz every few months at the airport. We asked, I was give out as if I wasn't... I wasn't flying already. Seeing him, I was yichlal <laughs> flying. So I'm, I'm meeting Rav Steins out on the airport, and I go up to him and I say to him, uh, "Rabbi, shalom alebacha." Um, my uh, one of my very good friends is so and so. His name was Yoel. He's an old student of yours, and he's also a psychologist. <laughs> this guy, right? So Rav Steins says to me. Are you, are you his friend or are you his patient? So I said to him, No, I'm a He said to me, does, does, does he also think like that? So I'm always very nervous then about like people having, yeah, oh, he, he, he makes rough browners seem like, yeah, I know, <laughs> with his cynicism. He's bichlav. I shouldn't say I'm a web yeshiva. Anyway. <laughs> He's only kidding. He's only kidding. <laughs> so anyway, this is like, uh, again, now it's, again, crying, laughing, crying, laughing. We do a lot of this tonight. Rosh Hashanah prep. Um, life prep. Gut check, okay? Gut check. Deep gut check. Rabbi Shalom said you can tell a joke to anybody in the world. Jokes you can tell to anybody. How many people do you have in life that you could manage crying with? This isn't to br- not cry, not only pain, crying over the world. I never forget one of the highest moments of my life. Walking down to the Kota, just one random, it was, a, it, was a rand, it was after, it was a few years ago, after one of the classes in, 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 in Simchat Shlomo, a friend of mine, who many of you know, a great teacher, came and asked me if I wanted to take a walk with him down to the Kotel. We get down to the Kotel, and as we get to the wall, he just bursts out crying next to me. Crying. And I said, I thought maybe he got, just got an, uh, a phone call. Maybe his, his cell rang or something. I don't know what, I don't know what was going on. I said, what, what, what happened? He said, he just kept on saying, Am Israel, Am Israel, so deep, Am Israel, it's such a deep thing, crying. 
was once a friend of ours, who many of you know as well. He, he cries all the time. He asked me to give him a bracha to stop crying in public, actually. <coughs> I told him, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, it's their problem. He says, it's making people uncomfortable. He says, it's their problem. One time, Reb Shlomo was interviewed in 1974 in Kansas City. I told j about this one. Kansas City interview. And uh, the interviewer asked Reb Shlomo, I think we spoke about this once, he said, do you realize you made all, the, all the, the high school kids, or the elementary school kids last night at the concert very uncomfortable, talking about emotions and feelings? And He said, good, good. Friends, how many people in your life do you have that you could cry with without even blinking, without even thinking about it? Not consciously saying, okay, I think we're ready for this, and now I'm going to turn on the waterworks to see where you are. Not that, but mamish coming from the most natural place in the world. How many people do you have like that? Baruch Hashem. Some of us are mamish privileged. Some of us don't know it. Again, I want to read this first paragraph. We're living in a world where people laugh at each other. I think, actually, figure of speech, what Rib Shlomo is kind of saying is we're living in a world where people laugh with each other. I don't think he means it here in a laughing at. So it's, it's, it's my... I think. But do you realize that people don't cry with each other anymore? In order to laugh with somebody, you don't have to be so close to them. I can tell anyone a joke. But to cry? You have to be very, very close. That's why Purim is like this ultimate day of, of, of closeness because people couldn't care less. Their guards are down and they're, and they're crying. They're crying, they're crying. All year long, we're not close enough to, to God to cry. But what's the most important thing about Rosh Hashanah? Tkiya, I am Mamish crying my heart out before God because on Rosh Hashanah, it's the first time I'm close again. Everyone knows, Chavah, the sounds of the shofar. On the one hand, they're this triumphant victory, crowning the king. But we know those middle shvarim, shvarim milishon shever, we're all, we're, all, we're all babies that are so broken, we're crying to Hashem about it. And in fact, the Gemaras are so deep, talking about, are there either ginunei, uh, what's, the, what's the lesson of the Gemara? Ginunei gonach or milulei malal, something... I don't have the exact wording, but it has to do with are, is the crying, is it, what, type of, what type of a baby's sound of crying is the, is the crying of the shofar? So the shofar is crying. The shofar is crying out to Kaddish Baruch Hu. You know, I remember one time, one year, without mentioning places, one year I couldn't get my act together in my head for Rosh Hashanah. I say in my head because I had to lead Davani in the Syrian community and I was freaking out because Shachris all morning. I, I couldn't. It was nothing. I, cu I couldn't do anything. I couldn't just pause. I couldn't. 
gather my thoughts, you know, Chazan has to have it together. I grew up seeing an Abba, wow. If I have, like, the clearest image of my father as a kid is standing behind him, as, even before, on Musaf Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, even before he starts saying the words Hinani, which is the famous prayer of the Chazan before Yom Kippur is saying, Who am I to speak up to you? But this Tzibur chose me to speak on their behalf. Clearest images of my Abba, those moments before you even say a word, with his kittel and his talisman, just the shuckling. I'm so excited that all his hometown friends, and he doesn't have to travel this year, all his hometown friends in Ranana where they live are going to get to hear my Abba this year in their shul in Israel, thank God. Those moments like that, those moments are, are, are frightening. They're frightening moments. So I had this morning somewhere where I couldn't get my thoughts together for the life of me. And Hashem did a huge chesed because I remembered one thing. I said, I don't know anything about like religion, like levels of observance. I don't know anything about Zionism. I was having a whole... Satmar trip in my head, don't ask, it was like a whole balagan going up in here. I don't know anything about nothing. I just know, and I don't know like what level of observance is the right level of observance. I just know one thing. The Eibishter, the Ribbona Shalaylam wants me to hear the shofar. Lishmoa, the bracha is lishmoa. It doesn't say the bracha isn't to blow the shofar. The bracha is to hear the voice of the shofar. That's all I know. <coughs> Not only did that save me, that gave me the highest Rosh Hashanah. That's all I knew. Basics down to just, this is what it is. Why? Why is, Hashem, why is that the bottom line of Rosh Hashanah? Because Reb Shlomo says, when you hear the shofar blowing, it's not just supposed to bring out your cry. You're hearing God's crying. You hear the Ribbon Hashanah. It's the only way that we could hear God's crying in this world. When the shofar blows. It's a Kaddish Baruch Hu crying. So, again he says, Tki Ashbarim Trua, I'm Amish crying my heart out before God because on Rosh Hashanah, it's the first time I'm close again after the whole year. So when I'm close enough, that's when the guards come down, that's when the crying begins. Look, look what he says here. He was the deepest like, child psychologist in the world. Throughout all these Torahs, his, his depth of understanding the psyche of a child is just unbelievable. When children are born, they feel so close to us, and therefore they're always crying. When they get older and realize, Givat, I made a mistake, can't be so close to my parents anymore, they stop crying, and it's so heartbreaking. I always tell parents that when their babies are crying, they got to soak it in and listen to it so much because someday our babies won't cry so much and we should always remember how it sounded when they were crying. Crying for us, crying to us. Remember, just, we should all be blessed that our children should always cry to us no matter what age they are. They shouldn't have reasons to cry but if they do, they should always cry to us. So Rosh Hashanah is mamish the sound of crying, but this is only shvarim to 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 the shever, the brokenness. Tkia is mamish the sound of joy. Everything is great. So Tkia, the first one, too, is amish utmost joy. 
and shvarim, the broken, the broken sounds, is mamish crying. Do you know what it says to us? Do you know who you should be close to and laugh with? Only people who are you are, who you are close enough to laugh with. And, and he means to end here and say, and cry with. But sometimes I feel really bad putting complete words, you know. But do you have to understand, this is what he's saying here. Who, again, do you know who you should be close to and to laugh with? Only people you're close enough to laugh with and to cry with. If your relationship with someone is only one that you can only laugh with, but if you even thought for a second about what would it, what would it be if I started crying right now, if you even have to worry about it, it means it's not the deepest depths. And that person is not going to push you to get deeper within who you are. They're not. They can't. There's no closeness. Only someone who has both of those things within them. You know, friends, the highest is if we would be so close to the Torah that we can laugh with the Torah and that we can cry with the Torah as well. You know, we know what crying with the Torah is. Oh, yeah, I have to keep three days of... of we know what crying with the Torah is. No, that's not really crying. But you know what I mean. What's, what's crying with the Torah? You know, Reb Shlomo said, you know, you know what crying with the Torah is? He said, I'll tell you what crying with the Torah is. 1949, 1950 is the last year the previous Lubavitch Rebbe was alive. Reb Yosef Yitzchak Shnei, the Rebbe's father-in-law. Some, and he was already paralyzed by then, Somehow, Reb Shlomo and his twin brother, Reb Elichayim, were two amongst, of amongst 12 people who were privileged to get in to the Torah reading of Rosh Hashanah, Kriyasa Torah, of that Rosh Hashanah in 770. The last Rosh Hashanah of the Friedrich Rebbe's life. Reb, what do you read the second day Rosh Hashanah? Akedas Yitzchak, Yitzchak on the altar. That's what you read in the Torah. Reb Shlomo said that he saw the Rebbe's, this Rebbe was, how old was he already? He was 70? Yeah, he was born in 1880, died in 1950. The Rebbe was 70 years old, paralyzed. The Imamish beat him to, we don't even know what he went through, but he was tortured. Back in Russia, then in, 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 in Vienna. But he, the miracles for him to get out of there is Bichlal, a whole other story. He said that the Pasuk said, Vayikach Avram es Eyado, Vayishlach Avram es Eyado. That when Avram sent his hand to take his hand, to take the knife to Shecht Yitzchak, to sacrifice on Yitzchak, that Friedrich Rebbe starts bawling like a little child, hearing the story for the first time, living with that moment of Akedas Yitzchak. He said that's when he learned what it means to cry over the Torah. You know, why else do we go to shul to hear the same stories we hear every year? But why is it we get so excited to share vorts about, you know, about things we already know for years, every year, Parshas Yisrael, the Parshas B'Shalach, crossing the Red Sea. Well, what is it? It's because you're crying over it, you're with it. What does it mean to laugh with the Torah? What does it mean to laugh with the Torah? You know, Rabbi Shlomo says, when something so amazing, incredibly happens to you, there's two levels of something incredible happening to you. One is that you're so happy, because you wanted something so badly. Two is that you couldn't even believe it. So you start laughing. What do we say about Mashiach? Az yemale schok pino. 
we're going to crack up when Mashiach comes. We're going to start cracking up. Because you, you, you don't even imagine it. And this, we all are really sitting here right now imagining a knock on the door. Right? But most, some of us, not yet. So this is what it means to cry with the Torah and to laugh with the Torah. That's how you know you're really close to the Torah. If the Torah only makes you cry, and if the Torah only makes you laugh, then also it's a no-no. Not that it's a no-no, but it's just, there's no, what more depth? Where are you going to go? What is it? No oxygen, nothing new going on then. It's not going anywhere. It's not traveling anywhere. And the Torah is one long Elam Masai Bnei Israel. It's a traveling. It's halacha. It's walking with you. Okay. Now look what he says here. This is beautiful. Almost, almost finished. Imagine chas v'shalom that my babylef falls off it. That means baby. If my, that my babylef falls off a chair and she starts crying. Okay? She God forbid. Falls off a chair and starts crying. You know what it is? She doesn't talk yet about fixing the hurt. She doesn't want us to fix her hurting yet. Maybe later on she will. First, she needs somebody to cry with. Later on comes the fixing. This is so deep. What do we think we need to do all the time? In relation, fix it! No! Shut up! Be there! It's not fixing yet! Don't, that's just, you know what, you know what, you know what the need to fix is? That's your own. It's, it's the most selfish thing in the world. It's not, it has nothing to do with helping somebody else. It's your own place that's a little bit uncomfortable right now. Mamish. First she needs somebody to cry with. Later on comes the fixing. Now look what he says here. On Rosh Hashanah, the first thing is Tkiyas Shofar. I'm not fixing what I did wrong. I'm not doing, I'm not doing Tikkunim for anything. I just want to cry my heart out. I'm finally close again. Then comes the Sirisimid Shuva, the 10 days of repentance, where I'm really starting to fix. But all, see what he says, Sirisimid Shuva, Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah, don't bother with, what's wrong? No, no, no. Let it out. Just let it out. Ten days Shuva, Yom Kippur, you'll deal with that. Then comes the Sayyid of the ten days of repentance where I'm really starting to fix, but only the one who's close enough to me that I can cry before them. This is the one who will fix me. Now obviously he's talking, the friend of all friends, the Yedid Nefesh, and he's also talking about friendships. Now I want to just offer something startling. How many from Orthodox Jews have lived their whole lives without ever shedding a tear? And yet they think that they are Orthodox because of observance. Not now. I'm talking for thousands of years. What the Baal Shem Tov did is he came into the world, he said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Hold on, guys. Hold on. We're making a Vodazara out, out of the law. We're mamish making idol worship out of the letter of the law. You think that because it doesn't say anywhere that you're supposed to cry before Hashem, that you're not obligated to cry? Thank God you're not obligated to cry. 
Because if you were obligated to cry, it would be such a shallow thing. But how could you not? And we spoke about this so many times. How could you not cry when you get a glimpse of life? How could you not? Bottom paragraph. Do you know why people don't cry? Not only do they not cry before other people, they don't cry, period. They're not even close enough to their own souls. They're strangers to their own body and their own soul. Afraid to cry. These are crazy words. They're strangers to their own body, to their own soul. And that's why they need a friend to say, I'd like to introduce yourself to yourself. What do I talk to myself about? Uh, this is what we say every... Every single, every single day of, of Elul, in the David Hashem, we see, Lecha Amar Libi Bakshu Fanai. I'm talking to my own heart and to my own soul. So the new beginning in Rosh Hashanah is that I'm close to God and I'm close to myself. I am Mamish utmost joy, utmost dancing, and utmost crying, everything together. This last two lines were repeated back in the text, we already said it before. Don't worry about the fixing on Rosh Hashanah. The whole month of Elul was just a preparation for one thing, for you to be close enough to cry and laugh, but it has to be both together. It has to be both together. Maybe with the, maybe like the whole the whole thing of what we're learning today is that like the Rebbeinu gave us such rebbes, such tzaddikim. You know how many of our friends, our sons, our best friends are, are traveling to the tzaddik? You saw all them to Rabbi Nachman right now. Yeah, I, I can't stand out every year. The cool thing now is to come up with Uman bashing. Oh, half the people that go to one Rosh Hashanah would have never celebrated Rosh Hashanah in their life. Don't bash them because they're going to Uman for Rosh Hashanah and they're leaving Eretz Yisrael. It's not because they're against... They're not, they, they love Eretz Yisrael. But they're going to the core of the soul, of, of the soul who fixed their neshamas. What, what, what's going on over there with the Nachman? What's the whole thing? So the Rebbe says, this is the Rebbe's Torah. It's all the emotions together. It's crying, it's laughing, it's everything. But, but, don't think that if you get something new, which you haven't acquired yet, an external thing, even a holy external thing, could be a new Bekesha, a new Sefer, a new Mahza, don't think that's the new breath that God is breathing into you this year. It cannot be. The new breath God breathes into us this year, based on this piece, is asking yourself, who do I have in my life that I could cry with and that I could laugh with? And further, have I ever cried with anyone before? And three, do I have any idea who I am? And if you, if the answer to any of those questions is no, that means that you better be standing there at Kiyos Shofa this year, like you never stood before. Because ultimately, until Mashiach comes, Hashem is crying too, saying, who could I cry in front of? Now who, now I want to end with this. I hope you're 
on a certain level, not all of you are saying, what is he talking about? He just said, does God have anyone to cry in front of? Friends, Rosh Hashanah is the gematria base HaMikdash. Rosh Hashanah is gematria base HaMikdash. We were all on this base HaMikdash trip during the summer, right? Every year we get this from attack and all, you know, Temple Mount Hever, we all start going nuts because of, you know, Tishabav and everything, and then it kind of dies down. And we have seven weeks from Tishabav until Rosh Hashanah. God doesn't want us to come back to Beis Amigdash during Tishabav because it hurts so much. There's something else about coming back to Beis Amigdash now during Rosh Hashanah because of being close enough. We spoke during the three weeks of mourning that since the temple was destroyed, we kind of stopped being homeless, but God has been homeless for 2,000 years. Has any, the day that Mashiach will come will be the day when one Yid is able somehow to hear Hashem's crying. And when you hear God's crying over being homeless, ain't no chance in the world another second can pass without Mashiach coming. There's no way. Based on Mikdash's Gimachriya Rosh Hashanah, because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And in the Beis HaMikdash, a Yid would come into the Beis HaMikdash and he'd cry and he'd laugh and he'd get to know himself. That's what it was all about. And he'd get to know all of his surroundings and he'd know finally what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it from him. Bezrat Hashem, please God, I have all the uh, emuna, hopefully, and excitement and bitachon that this coming year, we're not going to let... I'm not worried about letting God down. I don't even know what that means. But letting ourselves down is that we've asked many questions throughout this whole year. Every Monday night or whenever we had the chance to learn, we'd have to ask ourselves a lot of Kishka questions. And these questions, hopefully, are not questions that like we rushed to find the answer. Like a person that his wife is not feeling good. What could I do to fix it? No, no, no. Shh. That's Bezrat Hashem. This, this will be Rosh Hashanah. And it should be Rosh Hashanah which adds up to the Gimachir we just said. The Kohen Gadol should go into the Kodesh Kodashim Yom Kippur, come out and say Hashem's name in Forash. And when we all hear that name, then it will be the eternal healing and every broken heart in the world will be completely, completely fixed. Bezrat Hashem.
everyone. The sweetest, most fruitful year. We have a year of good eyesight and see what's around us. Amen. Amen. May you introduce us to the Rebbe Nishlehem on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Amen.